Welcome, Life Group leaders, to this week's episode of our Life Group Leader Podcast. Me and Pastor Evan are so grateful to be joining you guys, and we want to remind you, like we do every week, that here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. You did it. Everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Pastor Evan? We Hi. finished up another series. We finished another chapter of the Gospel Another Man. chapter. We are in chapter four. We are blazing through. We're going to be done <laughs> in like 2070. Oh, just joking. Anyway, why don't you read us our text of this week's sermon, Preparing for Jesus, the Revelation. I was a little disappointed it wasn't part three. Yeah, I actually had a name for this one. <laughs> you didn't have a name? I didn't have, no, I didn't have a name for the last week, so All I didn't. All right, well, here we go. Matthew 3, beginning in verse 7, not 17, beginning in 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Our old Pastor Hayden, uh, you got to do a wonderful text, preach on a wonderful text. Um, you know, I also have a one quick comment. You know, there's two pastors, one podcast right now, right? Two pastors, one podcast. Yeah. Just thinking about three persons, yet one oh, God. Oh, okay. Now, I was, okay. I see what you did there. Two persons, one podcast. No, that's has good. nothing to do with That's a terrible illustration. That, but that is actually but, heresy. But I liked where you went. That was yeah, good. Yeah, like that's it. actually heresy. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> All right, Pastor Hayden, uh, not only did you have to take on you know, Trinitarian doctrine, you had to help it apply it in our lives. So what was your main point for us as a church that we can communicate to our life groups this week? Yeah, Jesus unashamedly associating himself with our sinfulness ought to motivate us to boldly associate with Jesus and his mission to see the lost saved. And maybe you don't see a Trinitarian truth in there, but we do because Jesus associating with sinners and his mission actually is proved in verses 16 and 17 to be the mission of God the Father and God the Spirit as well. And so that preaching point should uh, resonate in our hearts that the way that Jesus associated himself with us and our sinfulness ought to be a true motivation for us to associate with uh, the mission of our triune God. Okay, so before we jump into the points, Pastor Hayden, please guide us as life group leaders in the sense of we will probably have a lot of questions about the Trinity. You know, many people afterward you know, said great things about the sermon, which was, I think, very edifying and helpful. How can we as life group leaders prepare not only for the potential questions to be asked, but how can we navigate our group to make sure we get to the application of uh, of the sermon and not get stuck in Trinitarian doctrine and heresy? Well, I mean, if everyone's going to be Orthodox in their Trinitarian beliefs, which they better be because that would be biblical, uh, you're not going to be able to get very far without going to the Bible because the more you say about the Trinity, the more likely you are to say something that is inaccurate or untrue. So I think to be to be hesitant in a sense to throw out a whole lot of talking about the Trinity uh, is good, should have hesitation for that. And so really the best way that I think you guys are going to be able to stay within a 
orthodox biblical framework of Trinitarian beliefs is to stay within the framework of the application questions. And you don't want people to leave more confused than they were when they came in. So as a life group leader, if you stay within the context and the framework of the application questions, you're going, you're going to be in a safe place because not only will we equip you and help you, the application questions make it very applicational. And so that means you make it about how you're applying it uh, and you're not spending all the time trying to flesh out a doctrine that is very difficult. Very difficult. All right, well, point number one was for us to grasp the significance of Jesus associating with our sinfulness. I thought you were going to say something. Well, it says your sinfulness. Well, but our, you know, our. place it on us. I'm not, you know, I'm moving on. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, there is a whole lot there. Why is it important that we don't forget the humanity of Christ? Well, if you forget about the humanity of Christ, you you forget about the reality of Jesus. I mean, you forget the reality of a lot of the texts. You're going to even find our application questions. that Jesus became like us, Philippians 2, uh, Colossians 3, uh, John 1, uh and all the texts that you can you can read even in the Gospel of Luke where it talks about how Jesus was tired and thirsty and uh, all of these things. Like, you, you can't forget about the fact that he was a man. And it was the fact that he was a man that actually made his life efficacious for the sin of humanity because he wasn't always tempted as we are but without sin. Thus, he would uphold the Mosaic Law. And so, therefore, God upholding the Mosaic Law was just true to his nature. But it isn't true to the nature of man in and of himself to do anything that is good or godly or holy. And so, therefore, Jesus being man allowed the uh, curse, if you will, uh, to find its end because there was the only human that has ever existed that never sinned, thus being a perfect sacrifice. (sighs) There you go, walking, <laughs> walking the line, walking the line all yeah. week long. <laughs> you should have heard our conversations all Oof, week. Oh no! So pray for your pastors, please do. All right. So you referenced Second Corinthians eight nine under point number one. Why would that be a helpful cross reference to have in our back pocket as life group leaders? It shows the transition of Jesus in the heavens in his glorified state, uh, being transitioned to earth, clothed in humanity, in full deity, but clothed in humanity, uh, for the the mission of taking sinners and bestowing upon them the riches of heaven in salvation. And that's why 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is important. Because Jesus became poor that we may receive the riches of Christ. Maybe another reference also, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that would be helpful to have in your back pocket. And that, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's Which the poor. is so amazing, actually, that those are both 2 Corinthians texts, and they almost say the exact same thing. But in different ways. But in different ways. And so those Very are good, good cross-references I have to help your life group understand what is going on and why Jesus is a human and why, why that's it was important that he associated with the sinfulness of humanity. And kind of leaning into one of your application questions, why is it so important that we remember that God clothing himself in humanity 
shows the power of sin. Yeah, that the only way that sin can be efficiently, effectively, and totally dealt with is that Christ would put on humanity and deal with it himself. I mean, that's like, I mean, this isn't like, oh, you know, I know somebody down the street who could probably deal with this. Like, I I'm, I'm, I can't, you can't. I don't know. We probably don't know anybody who can, but I did hear my friend say that he knew this person who could. It's like there was none of that. There was only one person who could do it, and it was God, and he came out of, he came down from heaven to do it. And that's, I mean, it, I, we're too familiar, I think, with the concept, but if you could just take that in its absolute crazy context— that God had to come do that, like, wow, that's that is a serious weight that no one could lift. And it reminds us the power of sin that without God we are powerless against it. We will lose to sin ten out of ten times, a hundred out of a hundred times. Mm-hmm. We will always lose to sin if we do not have Christ, because sin is that powerful that the only thing in reality that can defeat sin and death is God. Hmm. It just really shows the gravity of sin. And I loved what you said in your sermon. You know, sin isn't something that just take lightly. This is is not just some academic study. This is real sin that has terrible power that rips apart everything you know, that is good. And the triune God all in one accord was like, this is a big deal. That's I mean, that's this thing about, oh man, the full weight of the Godhead thought and knew and said... This is a big deal. So with all of that, you know, Pastor Hayden, we, you, you addressed it briefly, but in your sermon, which Life Group Leaders, I refer you back to the sermon about why did John the Baptist you know, re, you know, kind of resist Jesus at first, saying you should be baptizing me, what's going on? Um, and also just even other questions might, people might pose. How can we react when you know, a question like that comes up? We might not know the answer. You go, okay, you had the John so the Baptist. So how do we respond to a question that we don't know the answer to? Well, that plus, there might be a question there that we not might not know the answer to. Like the question that we talked about, why does Jesus need the Holy Spirit in the first place if he's fully God? Right. And we should equip them in that, but how can we react and also lead our life group when there's big questions are happening? Well, when you come to the conversation of the Trinity, I think everyone can engage with the Trinity in humility, understanding that our... Competence in the doctrine of the Trinity is uh, uh, is small, finite, and you probably reach the depths of your understanding of the Trinity pretty quick. And so, I don't really think that you're going to have debates, big debates on the Trinity in your life groups. If I'm being completely candid with you, because I don't think that there's probably within the cohort that you're with a vast knowledge of the Trinity that could be debated, if that makes sense. And so what ought to happen then if people do have questions, and they should and they might, and if they do, be okay with saying, I don't know the answer to that, but I'd be willing to search the Scriptures with you to find an answer for that if the Scriptures give us an answer. Uh, but I, that, that that's going to be the key to not getting into a debate. We're not here to make assumptions uh, about realities of the triune nature of God. Uh, but I also just I just highly doubt that your group is going to get into a debate about the Trinity unless yeah, unless people just try to start debating. I don't think yeah, you hear does that make sense? I'm following what you're throwing down. Okay. All right, well point number two was for us to participate in the mission of our triune God. Okay, so real quick, 
you, you kind of explain the Trinity twice within this section. Uh, can you help us, you know, get a refresher in our mind about the glimpse of the triune God at work together that we all get to see in the scene. Right. The, the two ways that I was a, was defining the Trinity is one within the context of Matthew 3, 16 and 17, and actually what we see taking place in those two verses, and the other one defining within their relationship to salvation. And so the first one, what we should see in 1617, just as a reminder, the Son accomplishing the will of the Father by associating with sinful humanity incarnate, the Father bestowing honor and glory unto the Son in verse 17, where he says, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased, and then the Spirit expressing his pleasure and his union with the Father and the Son by descending onto the Son, protruding from the presence of the Father. And we see that in the second half of verse 16, uh, when, when you read that the Spirit of God descended like a dove, coming to rest on Him. So make sure, Life Group leaders, you go back about 15 seconds, put it on half speed, and then write all that down. All right, then what is the Trinity doing within salvation? Yeah, well, each person of the Godhead has a role in the salvation of souls. Each person of the Trinity is a participant. And it can be said, and I say it can be said because I think this is a very basic and rudimentary definition of the work of the Trinity, uh, within salvation, and by no means is exhaustive in the scope of each each's participation within salvation. But it can be said, God the Father initiated our salvation, God the Son purchased our salvation, and God the Spirit sealed our salvation. All right, so using you know, Life Group Leaders, I would encourage you to use application questions to explain who God is. Pastor Aiden, why is it dangerous for us to try to come up with maybe an illustration of sorts to try to explain the Trinity to someone or even our life groups? Well, if you think about anything in life, no matter what you come up with, whatever analogy you can come up with falls short somewhere. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, Pastor Evan, you run like a horse. Does that mean you're on four legs with a big tail uh, neighing around? Well, I usually actually compare it to an ox, but thank right. you. But but right, like we get the point. Like, okay, he's fast and and he looks great when he's running. Oh, thank you. I don't think okay. my coaches thought that. But if you take that, if you keep thinking it, it just falls apart because it's like okay, it falls apart here, here, and here. Okay, well, how much more about an analogy about the mystery of the triune nature of God? You're going to it's going to fall apart before you even get it put together, right? God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit are not an egg. They nope. aren't three states of water. Nope. Uh, they are not the son. Or a husband, a father, and a, a husband, worker. a father, and who? A worker. A worker. Oh, or or like when I mean the sun, I mean like the soul, the, the, the sun s- in the sky. The solar system. It, it, yeah, it isn't the warmth, the light, and the Partialism heat. again. Right. And there's actually a funny video that P.E. just referenced that you should tell them about. So there is a funny YouTube video on Lutheran satire and... Our life group is definitely going to watch it on my TV. And it's called Lutheran Satire of the Trinity. And it kind of uses modern analogies of explaining the Trinity and just absolutely destroys them in a you know, terrible looking cartoon. But it's actually very helpful. And because funny. It is hilarious because there's these two Irish peasants that meet St. Patrick um, who witnessed to Ireland and they ask him, explain to us the Trinity. In in human, in easy, in easy la- language, language you know, for, poor, you know, peasants. For peasants. And so he uses water, and then the son, then a husband, and a father, and a work. He uses all the modern analogies you may have heard or maybe he said. And the video shows 
that is downright heresy. The immortalism. They're not even bad analogies. They are actually incorrect. Historically heretical positions of the triunity of God. So modalism is that God is in a mode at one point in one time. Partialism that he's though there's one God but the three the make up the parts of God. Right. Uh, hence like the three leaf clover. It's a terrible analogy because that's a partialism. Right. And then uh, yeah, so they continue to do that. It's a funny resource. It's a probably a few minutes long that might be helpful to watch and get a good laugh. But also to help you be able to explain, hey, this is why it is a mystery and it's probably best said by using the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Good. Good word. All right. Well, life group leaders, we have some application questions. And Pastor Hayden, you already Yeah, we kind of talked that. about a few of them. We so. touched on that. Yeah. And, um, you know, do my, I'd love to share how I explain the Trinity and when I do in partners. What I do whenever I talk to someone that doesn't believe in the Trinity, I try to get the grounds of we believe in things that are mysterious even in the scientific realm. And then I try to show them in the Bible, it says there's one God, should point the Bible verses. And I say, now in the Bible, it also says that God the Father's gone, Jesus is gone, and the Trinity is gone. So the emphasis is the Bible is saying this. And I say, but we also, it's mysterious. We can't fully understand it. Just like some of the things of the scientific nature of things, we can't fully understand. Like the chair that I'm sitting on is technically more empty space, if you really consider it. It's made up of atoms that are just really close together. Really tightly together. But it's more empty space than And they're moving. And, and they're, they're moving. moving. They're just moving at such a tight scope that you don't fall out of the chair. And so there's a mystery of something that seems so simple, but yet is so profound. Complex. So with the Trinity, it's okay for me when the Bible says that there is one God and the and this Bible also says this God is three persons that are fully God and entirely God. It's a mystery and I'm okay because I'm finite. He's infinite. And in my own finite mind, can't understand a finite chair to its entirety. But don't 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 apply the Trinity to a chair, or you yeah. will commit heresy. And so, I just, you know, I didn't <laughs> compare it to a chair. I just committed to the mystery. That's right. So that's where you got to make sure it's under it's stick to the mystery. But Pastor Hayden, we have a lot of resources. But what are well, I want to do that last question, the application of question number five. Why is the awareness of uh, our one God existing in three persons and all three persons involved in the life of the believer? Why is this awareness important for your faith, especially in how you relate to the Trinity? It's a hard question, I think, you know, and if you haven't thought about it a lot, it's probably even more difficult, but I want you to use categories. How is it important for your prayer life to understand the triune work of God? What does God the Father do? What does God the Son do? What does God the Holy Spirit do? And how does that change the way you pray? Or how does that change the way uh, that you read scripture? Read scripture. I mean, all of these things are so important, and I'm just saying, use some categories like that to think through, huh, why is this important? Because we can't end up saying it's not important, because we're talking about the triune nature of God. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What did you What did you have to say? Well, also, just kind of piggybacking something off of you said that I just remembered, you know, why is it important that even in this sermon, this is an evangelistic sermon for us, that we are called to go out and not withhold the good news as God did not withhold his son to us. And so, you know, Pastor, how is this sermon, you know, I mean, maybe at its core, an evangelistic sermon to spur us on to witness to a lost world? Right. And that's why I loved about the sermon, about the fact that, like, you want to talk about evangelism? The evangel, like, yeah, evangelism is so important to the Trinity. All three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all love evangelism and they all work and have a part in the evangelistic 
work of the church. Wow. All right. Resources. What do you have? Resources. Well, I have a... Well, actually, both of them are by Bruce Ware. You, yours and mine. Oh, yeah. We like Brucey. Bruce Ware. Great professor. He was my systematic theology professor. He hurt my brain a lot. And he's also was a uh, professor at Compass CBI. Bible Institute. All right. So the book I recommend is The Man Christ Jesus. Again, The Man Christ Jesus by Bruce Ware. This will help you understand the humanity of Christ biblically. Uh, I think we're so afraid to commit Arianism, Gnosticism, that we forget the Bible describes Jesus is entirely God and entirely man, but we always forget the entirely man part and how significant that is. And this book, read it slow. It's a small book, but read it slowly, and this will help equip your mind to understand the biblical truths of the humanity of Christ. Pastor Hayden, what is your Bruce Ware book of the week? Bruce Ware has a book called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Relationships, Roles, and Relevance. I think it's a really good book because it's it differs in somewhat than other Trinitarian books because it talks about here's their relationship to one another, their roles within the Godhead, and why is that relevant for you and I? I've actually been very helped by this book, so I think that's a good good resource. Thank you, Bruce. If you want to come speak at Comus Bible Church, just let us know. All right, and then that Lutheran satire video that'll be in the comments section for you to be able to check that out. And then, uh, guys, as far as your life group leader training goes, I just want to make sure I know that you, this was due last week. So if you haven't finished it, I know some of you had some really good reasons why you couldn't uh, get those finished up. Because what we want to do is use those for some ongoing training. The content and the answers you gave us is going to help us create the next training for you guys. So get that in, and we'll start the next training up shortly. We have some announcements. Prayer night is actually, as a matter of fact, if you're listening to this, it's probably over. So uh, thank you for coming and praying with us. Thank you for taking seriously the work of prayer. Uh, we have our serve team training February 5th. That is next week. Cannot wait to do that. And as life group leaders, yes, I want you guys to be there, but I also want you to announce to your life groups to be there as well. We have our discipleship now, our winter retreat for our students, February 17th through the 19th. The registration is open, and uh, the, the, the price right now is $60. Uh, and that will change after February the 8th to $75. So make sure that if you have students or no students who need to sign up for this, that they do so as soon as possible. And then last two things, Men's Fellowship, February the 11th at 9 a.m., not this weekend, but next. And Exploring Compass, the next session is February the 2nd and March 5th. If you have anyone in your life groups who need to sign up, please have them do so. Thank you, life group leaders. We are so grateful for each of you and your work here uh, for the advancement of the gospel. We'll see you soon.